The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. We'll be back in Romans again today. I uh, spent, We spent a lot of time going through the book of Romans, but uh, as we have said and looked at, the Lord packs so much information in this book that really is helpful for us as believers. Uh, we, we can't just gloss right through it. Now, we, um, you know that the beginning of the book, we dealt with uh, the, the introduction, of course, and uh, the Apostle Paul starts teaching deeply in theology and and uh, helping to establish the base and the foundation of faith for the Roman church. And um, he teach, teaches strong things for a while. And then he gets into these uh, two or three chapters of discussing the condition or the relationship with the Jewish converts, those are, that are uh, believers in Christ that have been Hebrews. They are they're how they uh, begin to mesh together with the Gentiles in the church. Now, I, this is a pattern that's common. It's common in, in Paul's writing. He'll deal with theology. He'll deal with relationships. He'll deal with the problem of the day. And then he gets very practical in that text, in each of these epistles. But in Romans, we have that shift happening. We, we talked about the shift last week with uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, that there is a change of behavior that happens for those that follow Jesus, that have the Holy Spirit in their life, that believe in the Son of God, that have given their life to Him, those folks are different. The Holy Spirit aids you, helps you get to the point that you can live a different life. We know the very first two verses of that uh, chapter 12 was, I urge your brothers, be transformed, be changed, the renewing of your mind. This is the way that you you uh, you start thinking differently. And then he gets very practical about what it means to love people after that. I'm not going to address those verses from uh, 2 to 9 because we've dealt with that on Wednesday night. We've dealt with that here on Sunday morning. We talked about the gifts of the Spirit and how uh, the Lord has given us this, this uh, way of loving the body. But that's the context that this passage of Scripture is talking about today. Now, I want to look around the room for a second. Let's look at the walls, uh, at the ceiling, at the carpet, uh, things. That, let's look at the decorations of this room today. It's really changed a lot since I've been here, and I've not been here very long. Uh, when I first got here, it was different right here in the middle, wasn't it? It was. Uh, there were pews there, and I believe it was different carpet, too. What color was the carpet then? Was it blue then? A little thicker? I think it would be a little thicker, a little... Kind of, kind of squishy carpet, and then that changed. I don't remember the walls. Did the walls change colors at all? No, they're the same as they were. I do remember there being uh, in in the carpet in the room. There were some flaws in the carpet, some tears. Is that right? Wrinkles. Okay, there were wrinkles, and they were sort of they had stretched out and they had wrinkles. Was there any way to hide those? Did y'all try? Uh, there's there's some things you just can't fix uh, in decor. And our, when we started remodeling our house, uh, I'm giving away some secrets I probably shouldn't have recorded here. But uh, when we started remodeling the house, there's some things that happen to a house that's 40 to 50 years old that uh, need to be fixed that can't be fixed without great big over, overhauls of the uh, 
the room, particularly, you might, you might have to strip the wall down to the sheetrock and re-sand it and re-mud it and start all over just to get a wall to look right. But I read an article about how to, how to deal with that without going into a great expense and effort and time and money. So you could, you could, you could deal with these flaws in the wall. And these are a couple things that recommended. One of the recommendations was, uh, to hang a picture over a flaw in the wall. Anybody ever done that? I think we've all done that. Uh, I'm pretty sure we did that. Uh, there's different ways to texture a wall so that you put enough texture on there, it covers up all the gouges and holes that are in the wall. You can do that. Uh, I even saw one uh, article about how you could make a swinging art mosaic on hinges that I couldn't even explain it. I couldn't even show it to you if I wanted to. Somehow this thing swings around and covers up flaws in different parts of the rooms for different reasons. And you can make one that covers up the, uh, the um, thermostat, which I don't think is too smart. You don't need to cover your thermostat up. And there's this, there was, this article was long and expansive about covering up flaws in uh, your house. Now today we're going to look at what Paul says about how we love each other as the church, how you love uh, someone who sits on this side of the room loves someone who sits on this side of the room. Uh, how you love people that may teach your Sunday school class, someone that you're a, a fellow deacon with, maybe somebody that's a, uh, a person just comes occasionally to the to the church. We can learn how that we should act toward those people through the power of the Holy Spirit working in our life, our gifts being used by God to minister to those people. Paul addressed that real clearly. Let's look at uh, Romans 12. I'm going to start with the context of Romans 12, 9 through 13, but we're only going to spend some time on 9 and 10, because 9 through 13 would make me go too long like last week. So we're going to stay a little shorter. Verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Can you see all those little short one-line statements that we should do as people who live as someone who loves someone else? You read the book of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. We see over and over that the Lord is teaching us through Scripture that our exhibition of love to others is an expression of our faith in God. We act in love. We act in kindness. We act in uh, good-heartedness towards someone else is an evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in us so that we are living like the Father. Let me read to you from the New Living Translation this, uh, these verses I just read. I just want to read the first two sentences. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. A little more common English for us. Helps us understand that passage a little better. If you look at the Greek word, that the, the root word for love must be sincere. Sincere. That word... Is, is used in art and it's used in, uh, in everyday pottery as well in this culture. If a potter or even a sculptor were to make an object and in the process of making that object, 
it uh, cracked, or there was a flaw, and there was something wrong with that, uh, that sculpture, the artist would mix together wax with the dust, the marble dust, and rub that into the cracks and present that to sell or to whoever the patron was that commissioned that piece of art. Same thing with a bowl. You buy a bowl at the market that you're going to use in your, uh, in your home. They didn't have Tupperware. They had clay bowls. And this earthenware would be sold, and if it was broken or cracked in any place, it would have been repaired with wax and dust to make it look like it was complete. Sincere, S-I-N-E-C-E-R-A, that's the, the root word, that means without flaw, without cracks covered up. Sincerity. You might see this in, uh, in the King James or the New King James, without hypocrisy. We're not presenting something to someone to be something that is really not. I'm not faking it. I'm not faking that I care about you or you care about me. We're not faking that. It's, it's a, a literal action that is an expression of a heart that feels what the action is saying. I'm loving you, and it's real. It's not fake. Now, I thought about applications of this, and it's easy to apply this to the church. As a matter of fact, I've been asked to do a wedding, and in the wedding, I'm probably going to use this passage to discuss what it means to love each other. I'm not going to uh, jump back into the traditional 1 Corinthians 13 passage. That's going to be the support. We're going to come up and talk about what it means to love someone sincerely, without flaw, and not faking it. Uh, it applies to marriages. It applies to marriages. Sometimes you don't feel like like you uh, the words that you say, but maybe deep down in your heart you really do have that love that's coming out of your mouth, even though your emotions doesn't support it. So it, it applies to marriages. It applies to siblings. Siblings that, as they get along with each other and try to, to live together, they need to learn, learn to live with sincerity and with love. It applies to uh, people you may uh, be on a committee with. <clears throat> I've been in my job now for, um, it started in 88. It's been a long time, isn't it? I cannot tell you how many committees that I've been on. So many. Probably had five committee meetings last week. You have been in a lot of committees. If you've been in church life, if you're in any kind of leadership position, and sometimes people say things in those meetings that just don't make any sense. You ever had that happen? They're talking about something, you're like, oh, I'm not sure even what you're talking about. Not that I can't understand you, I'm not sure you you understand you. Something's going on there that's caught, and not only do I not understand you, it's starting to make me mad a little bit. And I don't even know why I'm getting mad at you, but please stop talking. That happens in committees all the time. Now, you never say that. You never say that. As believers, we seem to somehow get along in life because we have the Holy Spirit in us helping us go through those experiences. The Lord helps us love with greater love than we have uh, the, the ability to do in the flesh. Because the Holy Spirit gives you sincere love for other people. 1 Corinthians 13, back to that passage. Let's read a few words from that. Love is patient. I want us to look at this, by the way, when I read this passage, like that sculpture. Here's a a sculpture of love, whatever you might want it to be. 
It's right there in front of you. And there are no cracks in it. There's no flaws in it in any place. There's not a crack in the arm. There's not a crack in the head. There's not a crack in the leg. There's not a crack in the back. There's not nothing. There's nothing. It's just a, it's a perfect, a perfect sculpture. This perfect sculpture is, is uh, inclusive. All things together are working together in, in perfection. Verse 1, love is patient. So we're patient. Not only are we just patient, but we're also kind. Difficult to get those two together sometimes. We can be patient with people, but our face is not saying what our heart is thinking. Love is patient. Love is kind. doesn't envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. See, that package together all is an expression of sin sirah. It's everything, everything as it should be. Verse 6 of that, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And this parallels the passage we're going to look at in just a minute. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love must be sincere, must mean it. And with the Holy Spirit's power, you will mean it in your relationship with other people. Love is sincere. The next word, well, sentence is hate. Hate what is evil. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil, perverted speech, I hate. Amos is probably the most famous passage in the Old Testament about this that, that people quote. Amos 5.14 and 15, Seek good and not evil, that you may live so the Lord, Lord God of, of hosts, will be with you as you have spoken. Hate evil, love good, establish justice at the gate. He's telling us an ethical way to live, a way to live that is, is going to help us, bless us, is to hate what is evil. I'll give you a practical expression of that. Something we may uh, have... have how we've sort of let ourselves get a little bit too enculturated in our in the American culture, music. Music comes on, comes on the radio. It's got a good beat. It has a nice hook to it in the words, and uh, we it makes us feel emotionally stimulated, and we like it. But it says things that are absolutely evil. You can find it all day, every day, all kinds of songs most popular songs that you may find, maybe the top ten list of whatever the pop charts are this week, most every song will be full of things that are evil. Expressions that are not godly expressions and actions toward um, toward the world. But I'm going to keep getting distracted by that. You might need to turn my phone off. My phone is telling me uh, you're too far from me. That's what it actually is saying. Any kind of entertainment, any kind of entertainment, you could easily be exposed to evil. Go to a football game, you're, set, uh, you're sitting in the crowd, there's this family over here that's, that's having a hard time, and the uh, parents are trying to discipline their kids in front of you, 
in front of everybody. They don't care if you're there or not. And they say some very harsh, mean things to that kid. Evil. As a believer, our spirit needs to reject evil. Hate what is evil. Psalms 97.10, O you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints and he delivers them from the hand of the wicked. And then the very next phrase, right after hate evil, is cling to what is good. Cling to what is good. If you were, if I were to um, take you out in the boat, out into uh, the middle of Toledo Bend, and uh, you couldn't swim at all, you didn't have a life jacket, were to fall over the side, and I would quickly grab a hold of this little thing I have in my boat that's white and long, about this long, has a rope tied to one end. I'd throw that out to you. It floats. Um, and when you were to get to that, if it would land right next to you in the water, uh, you would reach over and grab a hold of that. And I have a feeling that you would not hold on to it gently, would you? Wouldn't gingerly hold on to that life preserver. You would grab a hold of that and cling to it as if it were going to preserve your life. And that's the word picture for this verse. Cling to what is good. Don't just gently cup it in your hands. Hold on to it tightly. And what is good? What is good? The things that happen here in this body of believers, this, the service that happens, the, the Christmas child, uh, work that gets done, the, or the, the Christmas boxes. That's good. The songs that are sang, the song, sang up here, the, uh, the special music, the, the caring for a believer by wearing pink, all those things are good. They're good things. Someone who is kind and sweet to you, that is a good thing. Someone who makes something and gives something to you, that is a good thing. Good words and kind words said to you are good things. Those are the things that Paul is trying to teach these believers, to hang on to tightly and don't let go of them and grab onto and embrace evil in the world. Trying to help them transform. He told them to transform in verses 1 and 2. And now he's telling them practically how to transform. Hate evil, cling to what is good. Verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. That's the action of humility where you're lifting people up and loving them. I had a, um, when I first started out as a BCM director, I was in Arkansas. Back then it was a BSU. I was a Baptist Student Union director in Arkansas, and I, uh, we had a large group of students that were involved in our ministry. And um, every year we would put out a candidate for homecoming queen and, uh, for for the try you know try to be involved actively involved in the campus all that was happening, and uh, one year we had this this girl that we put up for uh, homecoming queen that was so country. Okay, she's a country. She made her own plastic fishing worms. That's how country she was. She had the had the dye, the molds. She made those worms. Uh, she showed up for the presentation of candidates with a clip-on Gerber knife on her belt. Super country. And uh, her mantra was, God first, them second. 
And then she shortened it up occasionally. Matter of fact, her, uh, her campaign slogan on the bottom of the posters was, I am third. She wanted to, to say to the world this principle. By the way, she still lives that way. Uh, she's probably 45 years old and has a bunch of kids in college. She's, she's been through, had a long, a long life of living as I am third, putting some other ones, other people before herself. She won, by the way. She won homecoming queen. That humility was expressed in all of her actions. Be devoted to one another. First John 13, verse 35 says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. This devotion is an attitude Christians are to have that makes us makes willing obedience to Scripture and the ways of togethers, togetherness easier. It's far easier to put up with a person's objectionable behavior if we are devoted to them. What this sentence is saying is this. If I'm devoted to you, it'll cover a multitude of sins. If you're devoted to me, you could put up with whatever flaws I might have. Devotion is, this is the five points here. If you're writing down, you're the kind of person who takes notes, here's your, here's your five good notes. Devotion is determined. Devotion is determined. It's determined ahead of time. I choose to act this way toward my wife because I determined that a long time ago. Whenever I waver in emotion, I still have the determination, this is the way I'm going to live. I'm devoted, devoted in love. Devoted is determined. It's determined ahead of time and not in the heat of battle. Second thing, devotion is dedicated. Nothing is going to sway you away from being dedicated to that love for each other. Churches have problems with this, by the way. This is a, this is a big problem. There are certain members that you could not run off if you wanted to. They are dedicated. You can have the worst preacher in the world. You can have uh, the, the the worst. You can, your carpet could be wrinkly, and they're still going to show up every Sunday, and they're going to be a part of the body because they are dedicated. There are people that move in and out of church fellowships that will be in this church this week and another church next week and another church the next and then no church after that and then, and they just they're just floating along floating along. That is not a local problem, by the way. That is a global problem. People not being dedicated to the body. Devotion. This devotion that we're talking about in verse ten is dedicated. Third thing is devotion is deliberate. Devotion is deliberate. I am intentionally looking for a way to show love to another person. Not just reacting in love, it's intentionally looking to love someone. Trying to help someone in life. Trying to strengthen someone in their walk with the Lord. This fourth thing is devotion is developed over time. You may not love today as good as you're going to love a year from now. If you're growing in the Lord and been growing in the Lord for a while, you are have developed your devotion to this body of Christ greatly. It's developed more over time. Let's be patient with those who have not fully developed. 
this is uh, the attitude that we have to have toward the people that have not quite clicked in with the body, that are still jumping around. We're going to be devoted to them. We're going to let them grow with the Lord and let the Lord work in their lives over time. The fifth thing is de- devotion delights in loving another child of God. I have a problem here personally. I have to confess this. Sometimes I grumble about things. I don't know if you do. You ever, anybody here grumble besides me? You just do things because you got to do them. Uh, yard work, washing dishes, anything that might be in, my, in life, uh, going to work sometimes. Just grumble about it. This devotion of love toward other people is expressed by delight in loving other people. I want to do that. I want. I am, it brings us joy to serve someone else. It brings us joy to put someone else above us as number two and us number three. Devotion delights in that. Love is sacrificially giving yourself to seek the highest good in another. Love is always giving, not taking. Lust takes, love gives. And you give in a costly manner that's costly to you. So when I give an expression of love to someone, it costs a little bit. But you're blessed right back on top of that. It fills that right back up. Love must be sincere. Hate what's evil. Cling to what is good. But to be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourselves. I want to read the rest, of the rest of these verses to get us ready for next week. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. This church wants to, wants to continue to thrive in the Lord. You're going to have to continue to serve the Lord with fervor. Not just life, let life happen to us, but look for ways to serve. Give our life and energy to that. Serve the Lord through this Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these two verses. How they speak deeply to our heart about loving each other. And I pray that there's something that may have been said to us today through the word, Lord, that we take with us and it helps us love someone better. Helps us love the body of Christ better, our spouse better, our children better, our our uh, siblings better, whoever it might be, our co-workers. Father, we can love them stronger with devotion that we didn't have before we walked in today because the Holy Spirit's working in us, sharpening us, making us who we need to be. Well, thank you for, uh, for loving me that way, having patience, having kindness. And letting me make flaws and make mistakes and you still love me. Father, there's someone here today that needs to trust you and feel that love and know you. Would you allow them to do that, to step out in faith and trust you? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about the church, including contact information, go to the website 
www.fbcmany.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.